You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast, brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org and our partners, DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them at DCU.org with our hosts, Scott Heider and Chris Hurst. Welcome to the Battlecast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode. This episode is pretty good, Chris. We have uh, one of our close friends in here with us, uh, Danny Houston. Danny's a retired police officer. just retired recently, so congratulations, Danny. Thank you. Um, Danny, we have you on, one, because you're on our board, which is awesome. Um, You're our go-to for peer support. Um, So we wanted to kind of talk about peer support on this episode and just talk about, you know, how you got it going, uh, the benefits of it, um, and, you know, just talk about that. I've been a police officer for 32 years, um, and some change, and um, I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen a lot of things, and uh, one of the biggest things is we never saw the support, you know, we all wear that badge, and we think we're all uh, bulletproof, we wear vests, that's supposed to stop bullets and protect us, but uh, we don't really have anything to uh, bulletproof, and we don't have a vest for our, for our mind or our brain, Yeah, you know, so... About seven, eight years ago, when um, my chief um, kind of approached, I'd been talking to him back and forth on some issues and stuff, and um, we were pretty close. Um, and he was talking about an incident happened in his department where he had worked previously. And it was a um, one, of his, one of his officers, his young son, had drowned in yeah. a pool. So... Um, the officer had a you know pretty tough time with it and handling it and stuff, and uh, they really didn't know. Nobody really had any idea of you know what they should do for him or even thought about doing anything for this guy. And this guy just slowly, slowly tumbled and uh, you know fell off the dark side, and uh, you know eventually he couldn't take it anymore, and and decided uh, suicide was the out. Yeah, which is you know is not the right answer. No, it uh, never is. No. Well, you were talking about that. You, they like you go to the police academies, you go to any department. And they always stressing physical health, right? Stay in physical shape, you know, take care of your body and everything else. But nobody ever, ever talks about the mind, right? Yeah, that's um, that's correct. I mean, when I when I got on, one of my things was um, I said to myself um, when I first became a police officer was I looked at the stats um, on police survival, um, either on a job or when guys retired. And when I saw the age, you know, when people actually – their longevity after retirement is like six years. Yeah, you know it's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, even they they say post retirement suicide is as ridiculous. There's the even you figure because you're supposed to think like, yeah, I'm retired. This is great, but it's that that um, that sense of um, belonging or or now having a purpose in a sense, and then a lot of the fact too is now you have idle mind, and all that stuff starts creeping back up. All the post traumatic stress or you know um, the trauma that you've never dealt with. Over the you know over the years, where now we starting to see like the tide has turned and it's more of a mental health type of focus, you know. So I think that I think probably that'll drop as guys go on in the next you know five six years where mental health is such an issue that it might actually drop that down because now we know how to kind of curve it or even address it. Opposed to before, there was never an address to it. Yeah, that's correct. So you're starting to see a lot of the bombers take note now, and they're starting to add programs, and which is great. There's some fantastic training out there. Um, people are calling, "Hey, what did you guys do for your for your program?" You know, we've been you know instrumental in getting some of their programs going. You know, giving direction and stuff like that. 
um, yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. We don't prepare ourselves. You know, we never did. You know, I, I prepare myself physically, you know, by yep. eating well and, you know, taking care of myself because, mm-hmm. um, but you don't prepare your mind, yeah. you know, yep. you know, you don't deal with it. When you don't deal with all the stuff that you dealt with, you know, throughout your career and it all adds up, uh, eventually, you know, you don't have the support when you walk out the door either. Yeah. So yeah, suicides, we've, the suicide rate's crazy for law enforcement and military and, you know, and even nurses and, yeah. and, and other first responders. Especially now with the way COVID's going to be hitting people. We, we talk about it all the time, Chris and I, on, on the podcast, on how within the next six to eight months, it's going to be off the, off the rails because of the fact that now they're going to have that, like that retirement from COVID. Because COVID is slowly being controlled, right? I'm not going to say it's going away, but they're managing it at this point, right? There's, there's vaccinations, there's medicine, stuff like that. But when that comes idle and they go back to not the, the hustle and the bustle and the running and, and everything else, they start to calm down and their mind starts to play, it's going to be that bio, battle mindset like veterans have when they come home. And that's when it's really going to hit them. And like you said, with the police and the veterans and stuff like that, yeah, it's, it's crazy because the, the program's really there should be a lot more programs and there's really not you know where you guys have your peer support unit boston pd had a huge one dallas has a great one houston has a great one chris we we've done this how many other great departments big departments have it i think and new york city had one yeah i think la and i'd like to see what the what the what's in store for the boston police's uh peer support unit now that commissioner grassi's gone you know, I just I hope that it gets to stay. I mean, this was very successful, and it was almost, it almost to the point that that was the go-to. Their their formula was the go-to, and I think you guys had the same formula, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, I think um, actually I don't think it's gonna go away because um, with this uh, reform the police thing, big issue going on. Um, they they cut the budget from the police. Well, they really what they did was they shifted money over to counseling and okay. stuff like that. So those programs, you know, which are going to be great, are also is a twofold to that. I think that's going to help officers also. So those programs yeah. are going to be expanded to work with officers too, because they say that's the problem. You know, we have there's officers that are bad officers, and well, there's reason they're bad officers. Yeah, exactly. Because they might have some underlying issues going on because yeah. of past events and past things they've dealt with. You know, and, and yeah, why don't you touch on that? Because I've 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 preached about this a lot. I've preached on the fact that instead of getting your pen powerful and starting to write guys up maybe there's some underlying things like the divorce money issues um shift changes stuff like that where instead of writing the guy up why don't you ask him what's going on in his life opposed to just assuming the guy's just becoming a shithead you know yeah um part of our program um i saw it through my career i mean i've i had some issues myself where um i had some personal issues you know i won't divulge into my personal life too much but um, I had some things that were bothering me and going on in my life, and um, a few of my guys noticed it. And um, when I was coming into work, you know, they saw the difference. They saw uh, I wasn't paying attention to guys. I wasn't talking. I was a good, happy, lucky, joking guy, you know, and always good to go and stuff. And um, I was showing up for work. I was showing work, but, you know, I didn't care. I sat there. I went to roll call. I listened and didn't joke around and got in my car, and I went off and did my thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't talk to anybody. So a few people noticed it, but... Um, yeah, I, I probably could have taken a little bit of uh, help back then. So, I mean, I dealt with it myself and got through it. But that was one of the reasons I jumped on a peer support group because I saw that there was nothing out there and no support. And you're more relatable that way. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like, think about it. If All right, 
I think of it this way: you have you have somebody who is skinny who's never ever had an eating issue. Would anybody that has an eating issue go and listen to that person? No. <laughs> okay. All right. So, like myself, like I went through the same thing. I went through the fact that I had a, a bunch of bad calls. I was going through my brother's suicide. I'd gone through a divorce, and I was I went from being like the superhero cop of the year from AAA to being written up like every other week. And nobody, nobody even knew it. Nobody even saw the signs. I didn't know what the signs were. You know what I mean? I didn't know that I was going through a rough time. And then eventually I started talking to, I want to say it was you. And I started talking to a friend of mine who's a Boston cop. And then I started talking to my army buddies. And they were like, yeah, this, there's something else going on there. And, you know, and I think that was really when we started hanging out. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and that makes us more relatable. I mean, we can sit there and say, buddy, I know how you feel, opposed to going, hmm, yes, hmm, and not having any idea what the hell they're talking about. You know, I think it, it it's better for people to open up to somebody like yourself and myself who have been through it and can say, hey, yeah, this is what I did, or maybe try this, or just talk, you know, and listen. Yeah, especially when it's law enforcement. I mean, it's, you know, guys, we we, we it's a family, it's a brotherhood, it's a sisterhood. You know, so we 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 supposed to lean on each other and support each other and back each other. Um, so if you can't turn to your brother or your sister, um, then you know there's an issue. Why why is that happening? So um, you know that's something that's got to change. So, but back in my when my department, so when we got our program going, and my chief had come up to me and you know he said, "Hey, listen, you know I'd like to get something going." And he goes, "Would you be on board?" And I said, "Man, I was like two hundred percent. Let's let's do it." Mm-hmm. So, you know, he sent me for some training and stuff. And, uh, you know, we're, we're peer support officers. You know, it's me and, and one other individual. And we tried. Now, that's, you know, we can talk about that later. But building your team is, it's a tough thing to build a team sometimes because you got to get a particular person, a certain person to be in there and do it. Um, you can't just grab guys off the off the department and just say, hey, you're the peer support guy. Yeah, you have to be trustworthy. You have to be approachable. You can't be somebody who fixed, the, you know, the captain's Wi-Fi. And get that job. You really, it's got to be, you have to be a fit for that job. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, I mean, over seven, a little over seven years, eight years now, uh, our program's been in place and um, I've dealt with a lot of issues in the department, you know, stuff with alcohol, stuff with marriages. So run us through like a a, a scenario. Like, say, for instance, um, all right, so you work late nights, like a majority of your whole career, right? Correct. Okay. So you, all right. So you come in. Uh, it's eleven o'clock at night. You're about to start your shift. Someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, I think Chris. Chris is having some uh, issues." So run us through. How would you approach that? And what would some of the steps be? Well, um, <clears throat> so first of all, somebody. It's great that somebody would come forward and take notice. Uh, a lot of times, people take notice and just don't. They don't say anything, um, and that's a problem. Um, they don't want to be the rat too. Yeah. So. Um, so I listen, big, it's big ears, you know, put your big ears on and listen, you know, and say, you know, what are you talking about? You know, what do you think is going on? And, and try to get as much information as possible. Um, and if you think there's something really going on, then, then I would take an approach and I would talk to my other, you know, get my other group guys involved and say, Hey, listen, so-and-so approached me, thinks this officer's got something going on. You know, we might want to reach out to him. So we'll, we'll reach out and we'll try to, um, slowly enter you know we have to gain his trust yeah, the person's absolutely. trust so we try to do that and work around that and, and and like you said i'm approachable i'm very approachable guy and stuff and uh try to get a little background on somebody without and 
you know, and try to, you know, get into them and, and feel them out and finally have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, um, hey, I noticed, you know, this or that, you know, it's just, just a little concern, you know, I just, you know, do you want to talk about it and go grab a coffee or something, you know, and hopefully he'll say, hey, you know something? Yeah, I am having a little problem here and, you know, hopefully that will come out and, yeah. and we go from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, like a, the biggest key to thing I, I find that with dealing and helping with people is listening. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that they can fix people by talking and telling them what to do. And that's just not the case. Do you, have, you ever notice that? Like, if you have somebody who constantly cuts you off when you're trying to tell them a story, they're like, that is not the guy that should be on a peer support because it's 100% listening. And I've told people before when I've talked to them, you know, when you give somebody, you tell somebody that, you know, they need help or they ask for help, you actually have to have them tell us or suggest what they're going to do to make themselves happy or how it's going to help them. I mean, you can all all day long make it easy and say, all right, so this is what you should do and you should do that. If you make them think about it, right, and if I'm wrong, just tell me I'm wrong. People tell me all the time, Chris. <laughs> but, um, but I find that if you say to them, all right, what is going to be, what is going to work for you? You know, what options are you going to do to make you happy or to, to keep you here with us? You know, opposed to going home and doing something that's not the right thing to do. You know what? Where we where we go from here, and I find that that works a lot. I mean, do you would you say that's one of your approaches? Oh, absolutely. It's like I said, you put on your big ears, so um, you you can't you can't fix their problem. They got to fix their problem. So exactly. you can give them some guidance to you know if if we see something that's serious and we can we have some uh, connections to you know maybe direct them in the direction they need to go you know yep. for some counseling or something or maybe some support in some other field. Yeah, definitely guidance, but they're the ones that inevitably have to make that decision. Absolutely, you know, Absolutely. it's it's like substance abuse. If they don't want the help, they're not going to get it. Yeah, I mean, you try to see, you try to see what their problem is, find out what that problem is, then then see, you know, you know, how can you maybe help help them, guide them a little yeah. bit, but you know, and figure out are they, are they willing to change? What what do they need? Yeah. You know, what can, what can we do for you? Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like, we're here to help you. Yeah. What can we do for you? Yep, suggestions. Um, you know, give them avenues, but inevitably they're the ones that have to take that avenue. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, for the guys who wanted to approach you or have what some type of uh, issue that they want to talk about, there's obviously the unfit for duty stigma that's out there now for law enforcement specific. Um, if how would your department? approach that because obviously every department has a different way of approaching it how would your department approach that uh if they're afraid about what their job outcome would be is there some sort of um animosity no no animosity that's the one i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking what that thing like clownfish swimming in living yeah well i mean yeah that's it So yeah, so yeah, you're right, Chris. Absolutely, you hit it, the nail on the head right there on that one because uh, that's the big issue. Um, people are afraid to come forward because they don't want to, you know, put on a rubber gun squad and stuff like that. Um, they're too proud. Uh, so one of the big things was when the chief approached me and um, my other partner that started this program in my department. Um, one of the big things that we said to him was, "Listen, this cannot work." Unless we have clear, clear anonymity. Yeah. So, in other words, there's when we talk to somebody, we don't record nothing. We don't take any notes. Um, we have the power. We have more power than the chief. He goes, you have more power than me right now. Yeah. He goes, well, in your situation. He goes, so the only other option out of that is is 
if there's something criminal that yeah. has to be reported, then you know, obviously you got to sure. come forward. Something's going on that hey, this guy, you know, we got to take his gun or, or you know, this criminal activity going on, we have to report. And, We're and you still fall under the self harm and self to others, you know, harm to others, right? This, so, absolutely, okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but um, the thing is, we can talk. We we've dealt. I've dealt with many people that people didn't even know I dealt with, mm. and so the program worked. Yeah, it's Good. great. You know when. People find that out, and it's amazing. I had guys, lieutenants, and sergeants, and I'm a patrolman. Yeah, you know, so that was one of the things. Well, is a lieutenant going to come to you because you're a patrolman and and spills guts and talk to you? He talks to you as a human, not as a rank. Well, that's the thing. We got to take we got to take the sleeves off, take the patches off, and the badges off, and and talk as human beings. We're human beings. We're all human beings. So, so that that was the big thing with the with getting our program going and make sure that was in place because if that's not in place then the program ain't gonna work. Yeah, and, and and for all those who aren't first responders or and listen to our podcast, when we talk about peer support, we're not talking about people that are suicidal. We're talking about people that are going through a rough part, that are dealing with stuff, that are just really affecting the mental health. It's not it's not to the point like, you know, Danny comes into work and somebody's like, Yeah, that guy's gonna, you know, take his life today. It's not that. You're like we see a, a pattern in their normal mental health that's changing, and it's it's not necessarily to the extreme that it's suicide. And know? as you said, it could be calling out sick. It could be showing up late for work. It could be, you know, hitting the bottle. Yeah, that was my disclaimer, you know, that, that not to think that Danny has a bunch of offices in his department that are contemplating suicide all the time. It's the fact that there's a mental health issue with post-traumatic stress or trauma or whatever, and that's kind of my disclaimer that we just want everybody to understand that it's not every time that there's a, a mental health issue, it goes straight to suicide. There's many, many levels way before that. Yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was going to touch base, Scott, and uh, kind of put that forward was that um, the suicide thing is we we are there to prevent this suicide. When you get to suicide, it's usually a long ladder of steps of things that have been going on in your life that led you to that. So we're trying to get to that before it gets there. So, and that's the approach we have, you know, because if we, we fail, if we didn't, if we don't recognize those, those signs, we fail those signs. And we just, if we just brush them off, well, guess what? They keep building, building. Guess what? It leads down the next day. And oh, we have an officer's suicide, you know, or a nurse or first responder, you know, or military. So it's, it's the idea of catching things in the beginning, catching it beforehand. And you, and you obviously, you know, firsthand, you know, in, in your family experiencing that. So yeah, it's the, the big thing is catching. You know, we've I've only had to deal with one individual in my department. Um, it was a suicide situation. It was contemplating um, with a positive outcome, absolute positive outcome. Um, guy still got his job. Good. Yeah, outstanding. Um, and we protected him. And awesome. you know, you know, we made sure that happened. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I, you know, Massachusetts got legislation that went through that it's offering more protection for officers with mental stuff and yep. dealing with this peer support stuff too. So, um, under this new bill that just went through the reform bill, um, I haven't read through the whole thing yet, but I don't know how that's going to affect other things too. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the things we have to look. I think we're going to see some problems on the road. What scared me a lot with the last um, first responder bill was the fact that they had changed the um, the reporting from two-prong to five-prong. And that really bothered me when it came to, you know, because firemen, because they were saying if there was children present um, during, um, you know, any sign of, of post-traumatic stress or trauma, like uh, like outbursts of violence and stuff like that, right? And then, like, so now you start to deal with 
they're sitting down with their clinician, and the clinician only should report for the, the two facets should be self to harm, uh, yeah, harm to self, and harm to others. But then they changed it to alcohol or drug um, present. So now if he's talking to his his um, therapist, and he says, "Yeah, I was drunk. I came home. I started arguing with my wife. I started thinking about all these things." Now that guy has to report him, right? And then they were saying, uh, so there was alcohol present, firearms in home. What what police officer or what fireman doesn't have a firearm at home? So mm-hmm. that scared me. And children present. So if you argue in front of Because you can say, honestly, who has never gone into an argument with their wife or husband in front of their children, right? Usually because of children. Mm-hmm. And um, who doesn't, you know, have a couple drinks at a cookout? The wife tells him it's time, or the husband tells him it's time. You listen, you had enough in the house, and they get into an argument, right? So those are the things that actually scared me about that bill. Okay. Um, and I mean, rightfully so. That was, I mean, that actually came up to the was it um, the three down in Hopkinton, and that happened to those guys. So which was great because we all live on the on the whole thing of um, of in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, it's case law, right? Those guys beat in court, they beat the municipality, so now it's case law. So now we can use that, you know, blowing so and so versus Hopkinton, and that now that works too. But that that was the only thing that scared me as far as when they did that reform that went through. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> the you you wonder who they're trying to protect really when they start putting this stuff through. You know, are they protecting the officer or are they just protecting the the town and you know the attorney fees and the lawsuits or, or being too cautious. Yeah, you know. Because we live in a society of lawsuits, right? And then we, we deal with somebody, say, for instance, something really went really bad, and these five signs were there, and it was never reported. So now we, we're worried because they said, well, the signs were there, but you guys never did anything, you know? And that's what I think on the, on the other flip of the coin, you know? But I think that there should be, and, and, and there's no, when it comes to this, there's no, like, diagram. There's no, all right, so let's let's read the checklist, and they go through the checklist and go, no, he's fine, you know. It, it's there's got to be factions to it, and as human beings, everybody's different, and everybody's situation is different. And I think that just using common sense or trained common sense, I think, to diagnose somebody or to analyze somebody to figure out what's best for them, I think would be greater than saying these are the five things that are going to get this guy fired, you know. If that makes sense, makes sense to me. Danny's completely bewildered. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I, 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 I get, you know, we need to look at, you know, the picture, the full picture. You know, you can't just look at one incident, you know, mm-hmm. that they respond to and and think everything with the hell in handbasket. You know, yeah. Like, let's let's see if there's really an issue. You know, is this just a one time thing? Yeah. You know that happened, and or is this a constant thing that's going on in this yeah, individual's exactly. life? Yeah. That's the wonderful thing about taking notes and documenting things, you know? Not as much as, like, you're saying with the peer support thing, because we've already at, we're at that step. We're already at the step where, you know, myself or Chris need help, Danny's stepping in to help us. You don't, we already know we're at that step, but as far as, like, the five-prong thing I'm talking about, at that point, you're, you're seeing a clinician, so there is, there is documentation. They're already taking notes. And as you said, as it starts to escalate more and more, opposed to saying the first time, you know, this guy's been doing well, he goes to a family cookout. He's with people that he can't stand, like his in-laws or whatever. Well, she's there or whatever. And then an argument breaks out, and she's telling her clinician. And then they're like, oh, I have to report this now because it falls into that five-prong thing. I think that's absolutely ridiculous where, as humans, and you, like you said, you have to look at it as, you know, I think, more in-depth. 
you know, with a, with a clearer head than just saying, check the box, you know, mm. check the box, because that, yeah, oh, alcohol, check the box, you know what I mean? Opposed to just using common sense or, like I said, you know, trained common sense. Yeah, well, you know, we're all human beings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't just go home and put a, you know, you know, put a uniform on a hanger and hang it in, and everything yeah, goes no. in there. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I said I just sketch at the end of your uh, your shift. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. all gone. Yeah, that's so, true. So. so, Danny, tell us what you do for stress. What What do you do to to relieve stress? I know before you used to play guitar. Um, you're a singer. Yeah, I mean, my, my big throughout my career has always been working out or running. You know. Um, I did a lot of, you know, working out, lifting in the gym and stuff like that. Then I started getting, I actually got into the running thing. And, you know, I was I was a big lifter at early in my career. I, you know, liked the gym, liked the weights, you know, bulking up and all that stuff, you know, like every other gorilla out there. Mm-hmm. But um, then then I found as I got older, I was, uh, you know, my my joints and stuff yeah. don't recover as quick, you know, <laughs> lifting the weights and you know. So I started running. I lost, you know, I lost, I, I went from like 214, um, and you know a, a decent lean two fourteen kind of, but you know to my uh, acceptance, then I dropped down to basically like one eighty. You know, oh from running, you yeah. know from running. I was you know doing between forty sixty miles a week running. You know, um, and you did you did a couple of Boston marathons too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I remember my first marathon I did. I said never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, seven more seven Boston's later. You know, yeah. So yeah, I did seven Boston's. Uh, you know, and a couple other marathons outside of Boston, but. Uh, yeah, and I actually, you know, by at that point when I my last Boston, I ran a three thirty, you know. So oh, wow. it goes to show you that you know the running paid off. You know, you got to put the work in. Yeah. And so, but yeah, so you know, going out and running, um, and you know that's that was a big thing. And uh, like you said, the music thing, you know, mm-hmm. anything, any hobby, anything that yep. you know, it takes you away from. You know, you can't think police twenty four seven. You gotta, you gotta break. You gotta. You gotta put it away, you know. Yeah. You, you gotta, you know, get in touch with your family, get attached, you know, de- yeah. detach, I should say. So, but if I if I real brief, Scott, one of the things, you know, you know, you get a locker room. Yeah. Guys, especially new guys, come in. So I'd come in, roll call, you know, getting changed in the locker room, and I'd I'd come in, and I'd change in the locker room, and these new guys would come in and be all. Walking in the door in a uniform, gun belt on. You know, I don't know. How, first of all, yeah. you got to drive around a cruise with your gun belt on all night. I I ain't driving in my regular car to work with my gun belt on. You know, but uh, yeah, it's funny. You you watch them all come in. They got the uniforms on. They're all spiffy and all that stuff. And you know, one of the guys looks at me. He says, uh, "He goes, Dan, can I ask you a question?" He goes, "Yeah, what's up?" He goes, "I noticed um, you don't you don't wear your uniform home or you don't wear it in. Is there a reason why you do that?" I said, yeah, there is a reason. I says, because at the end of my shift, my shift stays here. Yeah, I take the, I take the uniform off and it stays here. Yep. I don't take it home with me. Yeah. So, and that's the reason why. So, and you need to practice that. If you, it, it's fine if you can wear a uniform, but you still got to leave your work here. Yeah. When you go home. You got to think on the other the other hand too, because I've talked to new guys. Because I was an FTO, and I talked to new guys too, and I told them not one, it's not safe to wear a uniform home, especially in today's environments, where people are, you know, there's there's a lot of people who don't think highly of the police, and then you're putting yourself into a situation where if you stop to get gas on the way home, you're just opening yourself up to anything, you know. But then another thing, everything you've dealt with all day long, is searching cars. 
dealing with people, homeless people, or dealing with people during medicals with bodily fluid and stuff is now on your uniform, and you're going to truck that into your house. You're going to put it in your car that you drive on your days off with your family that your child crawls across the seat with. You know, and I would tell people all the time, just on a on a, a sanitary or even like just cleanliest thing, just don't bring it home with you, you know. They have dry cleaning. You just leave it right there. <laughs> the dry cleaner comes, picks it up, washes it, hangs it up, and you grab it the next day. Oh, uh, next two days. Nope. Totally agree on that. Yeah. But no, yeah. but the aspect of is like you said, leave it at work, you know. Leave it's it there's that's your disconnect. You know, that's you punching out. It's like Fred Flintstone sliding down the Brontosaurus and having the friggin' bird bite the goddamn, you know, granite tablet. You're done for the day. Leave it there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about if you're under the age of 40. Yeah, and, and just to retouch, I said, when I say leave it at work, I mean, leave, you know, leave you leave most of it at work, but it doesn't mean you can't go home and, and talk about your day, Yeah, you know, because that actually helps you out, too. You need, oh, yeah. You know, if, if, you, if your spouse, if you can't talk to your spouse or maybe another family member about your day, well, guess what? That, that's what helps you yeah. by talking about it. And it and also helps them understand what you've been through that day. Like if you come home and you're miserable and they're like, what's wrong? And you're like, nothing. And you're yelling at them. Well, why don't you come home and say, I dealt with this. I dealt with that. I dealt with this. And know what they're going to usually do? All right, you know what? We'll give you like some time to yourself or go relax and watch some TV or whatever. And I've always found that worked for me. But a lot of guys go home and they just they shut it down. And even we've gotten calls from from individuals like, or we've been at events, and they're like, oh, my husband doesn't talk about anything. And it's like, well, ask him about his day. You know, ask him. Don't You don't have to go into details. Ask him how his day was. And then, like Kristen and I have said, too, is when that spouse comes home, give him 15 minutes to, you know, to decompress. Don't let Junior run up and jump on their lap and start harassing him, although, you know, they're very excited to see Mom and Dad, you know. But just, get, you know, give Mom and Dad a couple minutes to just kind of, like, acclimate back into the safe zone or you know, hanging out and being quiet, or the chaos they call their life, you know? Yeah, I kind of call it the uh, worky way into it. Yeah. It's the soft approach, you know, mm-hmm. You know, when your husband or, you know, your spouse comes home from work and all of a sudden you've been waiting for him to call home because guess what, the credit card bill just came in and he just bought something that you didn't approve of or don't appreciate it, and uh, now you're going to, like, what the hell did you just buy this month, you know? Oh. You know, you don't even know what his day was. He could have just had a, a gone to a child that choked and died call or something. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you know, hey, find out what his day was like first before you, you know, you approach that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you attack him like a dog coming through the door, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But, yeah, so we were on, Danny and I, back before COVID, we had actually gone and we were going to start the music therapy course um, with for Hidden Battles, and COVID hit, obviously, and, that kind of squashed that, but that's actually going to be in the making uh, again as soon as you know COVID goes on vacation or decides to find a, another place to rear its ugly head. But so that's one thing that, like I said, Danny and I had gone, uh, gone through, and we thought that would actually be really good being you know music and musicians. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a musician anymore, and Danny, I'm not sure if you are anymore with that finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you know some. I was excited when you when you uh, approached me about that mm. concept and um, yeah, where, I mean, who wouldn't want to like? Who's yeah. been sitting in saying, "Hey, I've always wanted to try the piano. Always want to try the drums." Yeah, you Definitely. know, when when you told me the concept of what you know we were going to try to put together, and I went, "Wow, that'd be fantastic." Yeah, so our our music therapy program that that we came up with, and I always say we, I never say I because there's no I in team, um, but we came up with the the concept of um, working with a music school that teaches a whole array of um, musical instruments. And we said, why don't we have an open house where somebody can come in and try 
any instrument they want. Like some people may say, you know what, I want to be a drummer. And then they go there and as they're walking by, they see somebody playing piano and go, you know what, I think I would like to try piano. I mean, and I even said it before, like Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen started off as a drummer. His brother started off as a guitarist. And then one day they switched. And look what friggin' happened. You know what I mean? If you were never exposed, and like think about it, if you're never exposed to playing bass guitar or piano or drums or bongos or violin or whatever, how the hell do you know that you're not going to be fantastic at it or mediocre at it but love it? You know, and that was the concept that you and I went through, and and it was going to be amazing, and it will be amazing. We just, there was a speed bump. Yeah, I'm all excited about it. I can't wait for it to get going. You know, with the, unfortunately, yeah, with the COVID thing, but, you know, I think it's going to hopefully happen soon, and um, yep. I can't wait to push some people into it. Hopefully, we'll get some people that will yeah, share so. some interest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if, if even, like, just somebody being happy that they're, even if they, they, they suck, but they're happy doing it, then that's a success for me. Even, that would be more of a success that somebody then that is extravagantly good and just could give two shits about it. I'd rather have somebody like generally excited to do it and be mediocre, you know, or or be horrible. I don't even care, you know. Just be happy of what you're doing. I honestly, that's a, like if somebody goes in there and just starts beating on it like trash cans, like a drummer, and they're smiling the whole time. I'm good. Guess what? We did our job. I know exactly. <laughs> Success. You know, put that we one up in the wind column. The door. Yeah. And that's the thing, like I said, like I want to try drums. Um, I just like, I, like I was a guitarist like you and after my neck injury, my hands don't work like they used to. And I think I can beat on things like a caveman, you know? Yeah, I play guitar, but I'm a terrible guitar player. But yeah. now even when I amputated my fingertip off, I'm even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't so, that good either. I was a power yeah. chord player. And after I hurt my neck, I'm like, this is now my excuse not to play. And you're all welcome for it. <laughs> I wasn't cool enough for that. I no. played violin and cello. But no, that actually is cool. The cello, no. But the violin, yes. <laughs> so, so here's here's a tip. So, don't tell people you played the violin. <laughs> tell them tell, you want to be cool. Tell them you played a fiddle. Oh <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fiddle. Well, nowadays, yeah, depending on what crowd you're in. Because if you're like a gala, you play violin. If you're at country fest, you play the <laughs> fiddle. fiddle. Oh yeah. Oh. And you were good too. Like you were related to Charlie Daniels. Good. God bless his soul. I know. What a shame. So before we wrap up, I just have one question, Dan. Obviously, uh, Danny, peer support individuals aren't clinicians or anything else. But let's say hypothetically I was a new officer on the road and I'm having some personal issues, some mental health issues. What would uh, how would I go about approaching you? Well, I think uh, hopefully knowing that you know that I'm a peer support officer, you know, and, and I'm the guy to come to uh, be one the first step actually but yeah just go up and you know start a conversation you know i'm here to listen you know that's that's the key part about it is listening so um i will listen to what you you know your situation is um you know i'm not a clinician and you know, i'm not going to diagnose you um my my main concern is your well-being and others yeah i'm gonna you know listen to see what's going on and you know ask you know I'll, I'll ask the important questions and stuff and uh you know if especially if it's a mental type situation mental issue um you know uh, I, I need to find out some things about you you know what's going on and uh where where are you at you know that's the big thing you know where are you at i want to make sure you're healthy you know mentally healthy so um if you're in a situation where i feel that um you're going to harm yourself you know, obviously we're going to take it to another level and stuff. But maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a matter of you talking to 
you know, the right person. You know, hopefully I can guide you to that direction, you know. And I might, who knows, just talking sometimes helps a lot of people out, you know, because they don't have anybody to go to. That's a big issue, you know. It's important to have somebody to go to. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, the trust thing, too, is, you know, what, you know what, the thing is I got to instill into the peer support. We have to make sure that people understand that we're there for them and we're not there to take them down. We're there to bring them up, you know. We're there to help them. And they need the insurance that, you know, it, you know, when they come to us, they can trust us and we're not going to go out and, you know, tell their story to, hey, I'm going to leave. Hey, you wouldn't believe it. So-and-so just come up to me and told him what's going on, man. You know, he's a, he's messed up, you know. I'm not going to do that, you know. And, and you can't be a peer support officer if, you, if you're like that. Well, sure. if you did that, nobody would ever trust you again. Absolutely. You you wouldn't get anybody to come to you. You know, why why would they, you know? Yeah, no shit. Well, you might as well just get up in front of roll call and tell everybody your problems if that's going to be the case, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we step if we step back at the beginning of our program here when we were talking, and I said that I, you know, back in you know my time, I had some issues, personal issues, and uh, you know, one of the big things was like, you know, um, I didn't, I felt nobody cared about me. You know, people supposedly went to and you know brought up the point that I was doing this and doing that. You know, that's great. Actually, it was they were concerned, but you know, my you know my attitude was when when I was approached and said somebody was you know brought it up to them. I told them they can go f themselves. You know they don't care. You know they just want to mind my business. You know they just want to know my business. You know they don't care about me. So that was my attitude and stuff. So, but I mean I dealt with it myself. And uh, but I don't want people to have that same attitude I had back then. I want people to trust you know me or any other passport officer. Um, and it's it's a tough program. I mean it's a tough tough to get good guys in there and or girls. You know we've had. Um, a few people we've, you know, tiptoed around. We try to feel out the feels of who could be a great peer support officer. Um, we've approached them, and, you know, sometimes we had to kind of coax them into us. Hey, we feel you might be a good peer support officer. And so, well, I don't know if I'm up for it or I can do it. And and we've kind of coaxed them into it. And, and you know, some of them, it's worked out. And, and some, they've, you know, come up and said, hey, I don't think this is for me. And that's great because you should. If, if it's not for you, then you shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, if, if you can't take the initiative to be what what it's all about, then uh, then you you need to step aside and let's see if we can find somebody else. You know, and uh, but pretty much, I mean, I hope that you know answered yeah, your question a little absolutely. bit. You know, so as far as like being a peer support officer, right? Don't put your mic down. I'm not done. Um, as far <laughs> as a peer support officer goes, right? So after dealing after dealing with um, guys, what is you know would you recommend that you go and talk to the other guys, kind of like uh, to debrief yourself, right? To kind of keep yourself melt because then we go back to the same thing where you piling trauma on, piling trauma on, piling trauma on, eventually gets too heavy for you, right? Yeah, great, great question, Scott. I'm um, good like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, really. So, so absolutely. So dealing with a few people in, um, you know, or my LPA sport officer, I would go to him and say, hey, so you know, I, you know, we'd, we'd sit down, we'd debrief basically what you know just transpired, so we're both on the same page because. If um, I end up having to step in and, and deal with that individual, I'm at least going to have a heads up what's going on and stuff. But, yeah, we uh, so here we are. We do, we help out and we support people that have gone through some traumatic stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? We're listening to what they just went through. So now we're actually kind of going through it. You know, yeah, like burden, bearing the burden. Now. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff and, and dealing with all this stuff. And, and so, no, you know, I need to go talk to somebody, you know. And, and that is true, Scott. You know, when you brought that up, you know. That uh, peer support officers support peer support officers. Yep. So you know we debrief and we we uh, talk about things together. 
Yeah, I mean, um, we'd love to have you come back in. I think that if, if you listen to this and you have any questions, um, then definitely fire us off an email. Chris, give them the, uh, where they can send an email to. Info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Again, info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Yeah, you can hit us up on, you can even put it in the comments when it comes to this uh, this podcast. You can drop a comment right there. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us on Instagram. Um, myself or Chris, I mean, we're all easy to find. Um, if you can't find us, then you really are no good with social media. Um, but uh, Danny, thanks for coming in. We'll yes, definitely have you to come back in. No, no problem. Uh, you know, just one thing in the comments, if people want to, I'd love to hear if, if there's some groups out there that have programs going, uh, peer support programs going, um, maybe, you know, jot down some of their do's and don'ts. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We, we kind of learn from each other, you know, so, you know, nothing's hundred percent perfect. Um, yeah, there's no science to this. No, absolutely no. not. No, no. We've learned some, you know, we've had some mistakes and we've we've learned from them yep. and stuff. But, you know, I'd love to hear what other people are doing. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, like everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, Danny, thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, thank you, thank you. And like I said, um, if you guys have any questions anytime, you have any topics you want us to talk about, then fire off an email to us, info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Uh, you can fire it off to scott at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org, chris at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Hidden Battles Foundation dot uh, oh sorry Hidden Battles Foundation at gmail dot com. Listen, if, go to our webpage hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. There's a contact us link there. Uh, check out what we're doing. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm now on TikTok. Woohoo! Uh, you have fun finding me. It's easy. Um, and like I said, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, without you guys, a lot of the stuff that we would do wouldn't be possible. And thanks to our sponsors. We have DCU. We have. Great Little Community Foundation. We have uh, Shuli Cup. Shuli Cup. Love Shuli Cup. Uh, and they might be coming on. Swim with a mission. And swim with a mission. Yeah, thanks to everybody. And and we will be announcing um, some uh, really cool events that we'll be doing with Swim with a Mission this year. So keep your eyes open for that. Pay attention to our Facebook page because they're happening. There are lots of good stuff happening. So thanks again, everybody. And uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. <laughs>